0: Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers, Storymakers Show. Show. Welcome, everybody. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? Well, I'm all right. Let's start, as I forgot to do last time, with our agenda. We have so things. our agenda, as usual, will start with what
1: we've been working on. And then we're going to explore a definition of the short story provided by James Scott Bell. And then following that, we're going to talk about the mass of it, looking at your work as a project
0: and doing some backwards planning. So, and of course we'll end with steal this. There's our agenda. Okay. So Elizabeth, what are you working on? Well, I had a great writing morning. Um, it's Monday, you know, Mondays, we record this on Monday and it's, um, it's just a good day Monday. So, um, and actually yesterday I took a class with a friend of mine who teaches. so I was not the teacher, but the student, which was wonderful. I just got to do lots of generative writing and write into the the character who has changed from how she was before and so kind of to write through some of that new material. And, um, and then I'm back in and I'm, I'm going through the manuscript and just kind of making the changes that need to be made based on these this, these sort of radical revisions. And I'm actually feeling kind of hopeful about it and excited. So, that, so I'm working on my novel and I'm working on the revision. And um, it does seem to always take longer than you think, but I'm back at it. And that's the really the key for me is just that I do it steadily on the days that I have set aside for it. And then I'll move forward.
1: Very nice.
0: How about you? Well, I have had a, a
1: day where mostly what I was doing was working really hard to get my computer to work. Um had to reinstall the operating system and had no access to the internet, so that made it challenging. <laughs> um, so but now my beautiful computer, which is beautiful and I love, um seems to be back in order, so that's good. Um, but I think to increase your appreciation for it, like it's not working. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the thing that I've sort of been struggling with, and it's interesting because, you know, creativity is so emotional. So I don't know if I'm, I've been working more on the emotions of my project or mm. if I've been working on the project itself. But I'm in that sort of uh, not so confident place right mm. now. And I'm having a hard time sort of pulling together how I can do this. collaborative project in the least collaborative way possible meaning how do i do this with the fewest number of people so i'm just even though you
0: love people
1: no no i i don't i would love to have people i'm just struggling to connect with people to push this forward Mm -hmm. so that is a little bit of a challenge
0: it's the outreach part
1: and it's one of the things that's different uh, than a novel a novel or a short story, you could put out your Kindle single on <laughs> your own and, you know, say like, Oh I only have two or three readers, but the truth is that would still be infinitely more uh, than the number of people who will have seen
0: my uh, film. If you don't if I can't it. make it. <laughs> <So, laughs> the readers I had a kind of had a long conversation at lunch about readers and how fewer people are reading and it was was rather a downer conversation So I won't go into the whole thing but just kind of even books that get a lot of acclaim sometimes don't sell you know well absolutely and so you look at that and they're they're not selling so I actually I think I had uh cited at one point
1: an article that I had read where they said something like some of the you know national book award nominees hadn't sold more than three thousand copies yeah
0: so yeah so it's like what makes a book sell um that perennial question and you know that it's not book tours and it's it's not social media i mean it's um yeah so what you know what is and even the fact that jk rowling's book when she published it under a different name didn't sell and now it's a bestseller so it's not even the book itself, quite, right? So so what is it? So we're not going to, it's not one of our topics, and it is really one of those. So much like
1: any public entity with a board following the Brown Act in California, we can't discuss (laughs) non-agendized items, but we may agendize
0: what makes a book sell for a topic on another podcast. But... Just for anybody who wants to know, that was a reference to being on a school board. (laughs) In case, in case you're not a school board nerd. Yes. (laughs) All right. Okay. So, um, I read a lot
1: of. You know, I. It's interesting that you say nobody reads. I bet a lot of people read a lot of how-to books.
0: Mm. Um, It'd be interesting to look by genre. What books continue to sell? Well, and the 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 New York Times Book Review does different uh, to do lists, Mm. and and they do a how-to and miscellaneous. I'm sorry. Bestseller list. <laughs> That's just you know. I just want to be on that that to do list. That is my to do <laughs> bestseller list right there. So um, so they have sometimes they sometimes yeah. divide that up. But again, they're not really looking at actual numbers, right? They're looking at um, who's first, who's second. Right, right. It's interesting because um, I have a friend who sold three thousand copies in her first week. In order to, you know, and hoping to get on the bestseller list, and 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 it, and unusually, it didn't because there were so many big books that came out that week that sold more than three thousand in a week. So it's just it varies. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not gonna relate. again. We're still I'm not, not discussing. We're not that. talking about this, and you we're know, we're going to continue to I, not talk about this as our feelings come. I, I have about a networking it. group, and our one of our rules is when we meet in person, we can't talk about the business side of writing. We have to only talk about the creative side. Um, so just anyway. And to that, Uh, so James Scott Bell, as uh, some of you
1: may know, is a prolific Kindle author as well as being a regular author, Um, and he's got a number of books about how to write, and he's very accessible. There's a lot to really enjoy about him. And in a, a recent book that I was reading of his, and I should probably, we'll put that in the show notes. I'm not sure what the title is off the top of my head. Oh, look, here is my phone to help me see into my
0: kindle um and i just want to set the scene here because angie was actually reading to me from her phone as we were driving um back up to sebastopol and that was how we came to decide this was a an item for the podcast yeah so we still read I'm I'm read mostly papers. so this I'm on paper. Books. This book is called "How to Write Short Stories and Use Them to Further Your Writing Career." So that's like a poetic kind of title that's hinting at a subtext. Well, I mean, basically, we've talked about this. It's almost like people.
1: We're not going to talk about publishing, but. <laughs> You know how do you measure your success? And and I think every you know everyone has this underlying agreement that publication is in fact the litmus test of success. So think when people get these how to books, they don't want just how to make a good story; they want to make a good story that sells. Mm-hmm. Because no one wants to be you know that brilliant. No one wants to be Van Gogh. <laughs> it's something about the ear. Well, it's not just the year, but nobody wants to be Van Gogh. No one wants to have that, like, oh, well, when I'm dead, you'll all know you've missed me, but I won't. Yeah, it's sad. So, it's a sad very situation. Very sad. So, focusing first on the great short stories that will eventually sell and further your career. Uh, his definition of a great short story uh, is this. A great short story is about the fallout from one shattering moment.
0: You know, and when you read that to me as we were driving, uh, I just, I kind of loved it. Now, we haven't done a whole lot of testing on it. In fact, I was crawling around trying to find some of my short story volumes and we're in the process of moving. So everything's a little bit crazy. Um, But just, you know, so that's part of one thing we might do is test that hypothesis. For example, let's take Emergency by Dennis Johnson, a story I love. Um, it has a few shattering moments in it. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, it, ha- it, it kind- oh, and this is one thing I love about this, because it says it's the fallout from the moment. So the moment is actually more like the inciting incident. Well, he actually says you can move it around. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, and then...
1: You basically, you know, if the fall, the fallout, you know, might be that the incident happened before the story started, right? Mm-hmm. And so the story, entire story, is about the fallout from something that happened before the story ever started. Uh, the fallout might be from an inciting incident moment. The fallout might be from a midpoint moment. Um, it
0: was funny. So, so there might be a certain amount of setup you do to reach the shattering moment. Right. Um, or the shattering moment might be the
1: last moment and we have an implied fallout because of of that spending shattering moment. thinking
0: about it. Yeah. So although the more loosey-goosey we get about this, which of course makes sense because, you know, as you said last week, there's there's only one right answer, right? <clears throat> as you said in your sarcastic way. Um, but the more loosey-goosey we get about it, the less kind of, it helps that part of me that loves form. Well, you know, like I was this child who did workbooks voraciously. I loved workbooks, fill in the blanks, all those things. And I also put on shows and, you know, created plays and dressed up in costumes. So I have those two sides of me. Um, And the side that did workbooks really loves like a fill in the blank. No, absolutely. And
1: I think that there is... One of the hardest things I think about any artistic endeavor is the absence of a feedback loop. And so a workbook, one, is very clear. Either you got it or you didn't, right? It's not like, oh, well, this is sort of interesting that you chose six for three plus two. (laughs) Talk about that. We could Um, go there. Well, we could because we're those people. but. Generally speaking, uh those kinds of things are those concrete, knowable items, and and we get an immediate feedback. And when we write something that people like, um, you know, you see this in workshops all the time. Gosh, I really love this thing. May not even fit in that work, but that feedback of it working or not working, we respond to. It gives us something to respond to, but the life cycle of a novel is so huge that how do you get that feedback loop Mm -hmm. uh, because i think that helps us sit in the not knowing portions right yeah yeah yeah. um or how we construct those and ah yes i will do this thing and it will give me that bit of information that allows me to see better or feel more confident or certain in where i'm placing my creative foot as it were
0: yeah i mean i love writing in a group and then reading it out loud because it, it it's when I write knowing I'm going to read it out loud I have a different kind of awareness of creating something for a reader slash listener that for me is very motivating mm-hmm. it's that Absolutely. Of, it's the smallest sort of feedback loop unit you can get
1: yeah yeah so you know I was just reading through this book called the finishing school which was a we'll put that also oh, in yeah. the in the show notes and it was sort of funny because, you know, I haven't finished the book, but I read a great deal of it uh, in, a, in a sitting. <laughs> you thought that, well, the book doesn't teach you how to finish it. Uh, right. But basically, and we'll kind of talk about its strategies and some strategies we've talked about before when we get to the math of it section. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they were concerned about was that, uh, you know, feedback uh, was not something that they would include in their process. Mm-hmm. And of finishing? Of finishing. So they, what they do is focus only on writing as a project. Like getting a first draft, basically. Right. And, you know, so they had concerns that, that feedback slows people down. It can shut people down. And I think that's true. We've seen people be shut down by all kinds of things. Um, but I think that it's, for me, and I think for most people really hard. You what you're doing in that context is switching it from the writing itself to the writing as a project feedback loop. And then you wait, wait, what do you say what you mean? I don't understand. Well I'll just draw it over here. Um <laughs> what I mean is that either you wrote your words or you didn't, right? Either mm. you got it done on the times you said it would you would get it done or you didn't. And that's
0: a very concrete uh, feedback mechanism. Mm-hmm. Set a timer, keep your pen moving, go. Really useful for early drafting, right? right. I, I, and right I write a thousand words a day. When right. I'm and so all they've really done is taken that need of a tri-
1: for a feedback loop and applied it to the process of doing it, not the quality of what you're doing. And I think there's wisdom in that for sure. Um, but I also think that If there are ways for people to get feedback as they're going along and not to personalize it, they can improve their writing significantly so that by the time they get to the end of their draft, there's things that they are executing on but can also recognize as they go back to revise their draft rather than waiting until you get done with a complete draft to kind of figure out, well,
0: why doesn't just sitting there telling you everything work well and maybe writing that's why a lot of times people write shorter pieces first Mm -hmm. so that they can do a whole thing with their own vision and then get feedback on it and i just want to say since we seem not to be talking about the short story but instead to be talking about feedback that that for me one of the key principles as a reader um is to give give a response of give an impression of how it feels to read the Mm -hmm. book And that that's really the kind of response people need most rather than write it this way, write it that way, do this, do that, you know.
1: Right. Um, And at the same time, your classes deconstruct a section or or a technique and we use those techniques to mimic. So I think that there's a lot to be said for uh, small exercises Mm -hmm. uh, and, and exploration maybe concurrent to a larger project. I just, I think that if you don't spend any time as you're writing a novel, because it takes so long to write for most people, mm-hmm. um, that you don't gain anything by having no feedback loops if you're not even Early to sort- on, certainly, right. certainly. It's sort of interesting in that respect. And I, you know, the earlier part of that talks about the challenge of the form. So even though he's got this great... Definition of the fallout from one shattering moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not to imply that a short story is easier to write mm-hmm. um, at all than a novel or a memoir, or right? Book length work, right? I just I think you can kind of hit it over and over again. Like you, the the number of times you can revise a short story versus the number of times you can revise a novel, and people are like, I had some my twelfth revision of a novel. Well, for a short story, you could probably
0: hit 144 <laughs> in the same amount of time. Um, but there actually is, there's the thing about uh, with some president or something being asked to give a talk. And they say, you know, how long will it take you to prepare a talk, an hour long talk? And he says, you know, two weeks. And and then they say, well, how, oh, how about if it's just a half hour? He says, then I need a month. Right. Right. So right. that's the other piece of making something short and effective is right because
1: you're really focusing on those pieces that give you the most bang for your buck it's kind of you know it's interesting to look at screenwriting um because some people who are really effective at screenwriting are actually closer to writing poetry with dialogue than they are Hmm. um prose Hmm. Because you're really giving a sense of a place in a very a sense of place, a person, an environment, very very concisely, mm-hmm. and and the most powerful text based way to do that, of course, is poetry. So
0: interesting. interesting yeah. All right, I'm going to suggest because doing the math of our timing, we're we're zeroing in on this short episode. Uh, I'm going to suggest that we. Talk about the math of it. Yeah. And that we kind of invite our listeners and we ourselves to continue to think about this definition. If maybe you'll read it one more time and to think about how it does or doesn't apply to the short stories we love. And maybe we can circle back to that. Okay, at the end? No. Right now. In a different episode. Oh, not right now. Okay, great. Well, if you could read the definition right now,
1: then we can circle back. We're going to circle back. (laughs)
0: So
1: this is the part that I love best. So here it goes. A great short story is about the fallout from one shattering moment. And that's one comma shattering moment. So see if that comma makes a difference in your understanding of the definition.
0: All right. So the math of it is something that we brought to our book in a year students who are have these particular parameters. They're going to write a draft of a book in a year. And so and in fact, we spend part of that time setting up the structure and talking about, you know, plot and they do some plotting and stuff. So then we get to the point where they're writing and we also want them to finish kind of a a few couple months ahead of time. Then they spend the summer polishing and we meet again in the fall. Right. So we've got this little system. So they have maybe six months where they're writing this draft and we're workshopping the major scenes and Mm -hmm. they're writing between them and so we brought to them do the math of it and we're going to talk through that for anybody who might find it useful i will say you'll kind of need to provide your own deadline which i think is a fantastic thing to do in order in a way to do the math of it.
1: yes so you have to and you know find a deadline that offers you
0: leverage so something that matters to you right a real life deadline like you're going to hand it into somebody or um something swap it with somebody yes So
1: the idea is to start with what size project you're going to work on. So uh, you probably don't want to go over 100,000 words as your model, but we often use closer to 75,000 words for your draft. And uh, what we do then is to say if we have 75,000 words, uh, we start looking at our time and how many words a month we need to write in order to meet that. Deadline. So it's February sixth, right now. Let's say you wanted to be done by June sixth. That's that's four months. Jeez, you're going
0: fast. And um, let's make it eighty thousand if it's going to be right.
1: <laughs> and so then you have to do twenty thousand a month, which means you do five thousand a week, approximately. Right. And so when, or one thousand a day, or a thousand a day. So that actually five, five days a week. I mean, it's it's a great one. Right. So. Basically, we have a framework though where you look at it. You take that number, you divide by the number of that months. Right? That's a, so fast. I know. You divide by the number of months you have available, and you you got to
0: take off your vacations.
1: Take off your vacation times. Take off your uh, known. Issue things and build in in a, a little bit of a cushion. So, you know, if you were able to do, yeah, I can do 1,500 words a day, five days a week in four months, you could have a draft if you sat down with a plan. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting that the finishing school people talk about is that they get together in a group and they take a very similar plan. But they say, okay, so this week. What are you gonna do, and at what time? So rather than saying I'm gonna write five days a week or I'm gonna write, you know, these whatever, they set down specific scheduled committed Could, like, time. put it in their date book like I mean and they I mean, put it, I mean, it in their yeah. date book, and so when they meet, all they discuss is the work that they did on that, uh, not on the quality, not on their feelings about how it is to write. What they focus on is like what worked or didn't work in terms of the scheduling and the timing for their project. Yeah. I've heard about the putting in the date book thing. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, Tony Robbins says, if it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen. So um, <laughs> in some other pithy or way, yeah, he's, he's very pithy. That was not pithy. <laughs> um, but essentially it is that same idea of taking your project and, and planning backwards. So you can pretty much, know if you execute and you take the pressure off of executing to perfection mm. but rather executing to a set number of words executing to a time executing uh to a project that many of us can do that much more easily than we can write uh you know
0: a perfect paragraph so. now i will say that our students, when we do this, have done a lot of planning. So they are going in with an outline, a detailed scene-by-scene mm-hmm. outline, and people have varying feelings about that and so on, but um, that's just something to right. keep in so mind. Right, so you are executing against something in spe- yeah. specific. But, but Ellen Sussman, my writing buddy and Sonoma County Writers Camp cohort Uh, she does a thousand words a day and she does not have a plan she's she's pantsing it so it's it is certainly possible to pull all kinds of things out of your pants if you're pantsing it (laughs) so let's wrap up with our steal this segment Okay, well, why don't you start, Elizabeth, and tell me what you'd like to steal this week. Well, I just finished reading The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson, uh, which is really a rom-com. I mean, it actually acknowledges in the book that it's really a rom-com on paper. Um, And it was just really fun. Like, I needed something to read that was just going to be fun. It made me laugh. Um, he's very, the author is, is probably a, a, uh, not, I don't want to say a lesser version of the character, but a less extreme version of the character in that he, um, likes, he is very much a planner and, um, and I listened to a podcast with him talking about that. And so anyway, it's a really fun example of taking a movie structure and turning it into, uh, you know, a funny witty book that had a really interesting kind of, um, what's it called uh, unreliable narrator you know the mm. distance between he, he's sort of this autistic or autism spectrum guy and so the distance between his perception of things and my perception of things through his eyes is is fun you know mm. and and he's he's sort of smart and and wonderful um, and yet i can see when he's getting things differently than i do and the rest of the world does and and that is is a kind of that idea of the the hero or heroine who doesn't quite understand the situation is actually very integral to love stories, right? Like you, you that misunderstanding, which I which is my favorite thing. So anyway, uh, I think because I so love misunderstanding, that's the thing I'd like to steal. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to revise but in future, like I'd like to work on something that's about misunderstanding and those gaps that are that open up there that I think are so funny and poignant and kind of fascinating. How about you? Well,
1: uh I've also been reading a book this week called Creative Filmmaking, which I believe you got for me about 20 years ago. And um or somebody. No, I think it was you. Really? Yeah. 20 years ago? Not 20 years ago, okay. geez Louise. <laughs> um anyway, so they sort of talk about reconnecting, you know, in the, sort of the introspection piece and there are a lot of wonderful exercises about how to connect or generate ideas from what matters to you. Mm. And um, the introspection piece. And so there's there's a piece that I think has been really missing. I've been very, very intellectual in my approach to the revision of my screenplay. And as I do this project, which is very linear, I definitely need to develop this project to figure out where people are, figure out, you know, do all those different pieces but the story itself is, is I've been struggling with because I think I'm missing that emotional piece that comes from what part of this matters to me. Mm. And, um, you know, the characters I think are wonderful. I like these people and places, but I need to sort of find that in that, that matters more. And so I've been looking at kind of the ways they talk about things. And uh, one of the things that they sort of, talk about is uh well actually they talk about have some ideas but i'm conflating two different books as i realize right now and the other one is happy brain we'll put it in the show yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so happy life she's a neuroscientist who kind of transforms her own life by looking into different things and so the first section she has is about kind of re-exploring things so one of the things she talks about is like blindfolding yourself and eating Mm -hmm. like even though you may know what you're eating it's just the experience of (laughs) because we're so visual cutting that out um and I think that I you know she's like think about something you used to do a lot when you were kids that you don't do anymore and Mm -hmm. kind of finding spaces for that so boogie boarding boogie boarding for you for me it was like being out in the orchards you know Mm. and being in the tall grass and just you know feeling what it felt like to have the earth sort of against my back and Mm. you know just kind of being in the world that way and and now i'm sort of like what did they spray this with (laughs) so are there
0: ticks i know am i getting a tick (laughs) as we speak
1: (laughs) So, anyway.
0: Good. I love that. I think that's really wonderful. Um, My conflating two books? Well, both books and this idea of going into the intuitive part and and really reconnecting with that. And I actually think that you early on with this project, you started novelizing it, Mm -hmm. my suggestion. And you wrote a piece that ended up becoming... Integral, really, to the heart of it, I think, yeah. about the the guy who's dying, right? That came from an early experience and came from, you know, came out of doing that. So, I, I wish you had time to just novelize it all, maybe do the math of it, um, because I think that's such an amazing gift that you have, and I think um, it somehow does give you access to, you know, what what are you unconsciously tapping yeah. into with the story? But anyway, so I, I think that's one
1: And if you're one of our listeners and feel like you want to somehow help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, co- or be the in a film send us an email send us an email at film at storymakers.com would that no. come to us? no, no. just questions. questions questions at storymakers.com the question can be how can I help? and uh, be sure to rate us on iTunes or, or Stitcher. Stitcher and subscribe and let us know what your questions are even if they're not can I help? and have a great they could be how can we help you? That's we we want to know how we can help you, too. And we want you to have a great backward planning, intuitive, uh, post-shattering moment writing week. So rock on.